we uh, get started this morning, I want to uh, point out that uh, Brother, Brother Steve did not, of course, know the content of the message today or what we'd be preaching on. But we sang that second song, Have Faith in God. And again, uh, recall what that second verse says. So I'm going to read this to you, Have Faith in God. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea He will never forget. Wait on the Lord, trust His word, and be patient. Have faith in God, He'll answer yet. Now, with that in mind, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. And specifically, Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18. We're going to read the first eight verses of Luke chapter number 18. We will be looking at all of these verses today. These are our text verses. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 1, down through verse number 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. The title of the message this morning is, The Power of Persistent Prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time in your house already. Lord, we rejoice in those old hymns that have such scriptural messages and such encouraging lines and thoughts. And Lord, as we move now into the part of the worship service where we are preaching and teaching the word and relying on you by your holy spirit to teach us lord we ask that you'd forgive us where we've sinned against you lord we thank you that the blood of jesus christ covers us from all of our sins and uh, based upon his finished work and the blood that was shed we have forgiveness with you and lord it's because of jesus's work that we come boldly before your throne of grace and lord help us uh, Lord, as, as uh, those that said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to be taught how to pray. We want to be taught, Lord, that we should be persistent in our prayer. And Lord, as we break open the word this morning, we ask that you teach us and guide us. Lord, perhaps we need to be convicted this morning and maybe, maybe even be encouraged. And I pray that in the word today, you would have the preeminence, that we would decrease, that Christ would increase and that today we would be engaged in worship of your holy, marvelous name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The power of persistent prayer. How is your prayer life? I would submit to you that, and we've been, this has been a constant theme in the messages and in the introductions of the messages, I submit to you that 2022 will only be as good as your prayer life is. Now in our text, This is a parable. It's a teaching moment that the Lord Jesus Christ takes advantage of. 
And this is a parable that has become known as the parable of the unrighteous judge. Jesus, in teaching about prayer, uses an unusual comparison to teach us about not just prayer, but of course how we are to persevere in prayer. The theme of this parable is literally to teach the Lord's people persistence and perseverance in prayer. There is power in persistent prayer. Now, the context of this parable that the Lord is speaking, uh, it's it's nestled in uh, the Word of God in the book of Luke such that, that it is intended to give the people of God encouragement in the midst of tribulation. And I would say that if you go back and read Luke chapter number 17, that there seems to be some indication of uh, eschatology and the application of when when we are when we are abused and and persecuted and we suffer tribulation uh, because we are the Lord's people that we are to in those times persist and persevere in prayer and I believe that that's a proper thought for us this morning and so today we want to focus on the power of persistent prayer. And as we look at Luke chapter number 18, verses 1 through 8, I want us to consider four lessons, four lessons that we see in these eight verses that teach us about the power of persistent prayer. The first lesson is contained in verse number 1. We are directed to pray. We are directed to pray. The second lesson is also in verse number 1. And here we are taught that there is a danger of and in not praying. There's a danger. The third lesson we find in verse number 3, our dependence on God necessitates prayer. And then the fourth lesson, which we pick up in verse 2 and then also all the way down in verses 4 through 8, we see the Father's difference, the Father's difference should drive us to prayer. The Father's difference. And I mentioned that the Lord here uses a rather peculiar and unusual comparison to teach us about prayer. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the the body and the, the thrust of the message. Now, this morning we're talking about, as we look at Luke chapter number 18, verses 1 through 8, the power of persistent prayer. And I want you to notice these four lessons that teach us about the power of persistent prayer. First of all, this lesson, we are directed to pray. Notice in verse number 1, the Bible reads, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, that men ought always to pray. The word ought there is a reference to the fact that it is necessary that we not only pray, but that we always pray. Now I want you to think about this, and again, we're not, we're not breaking any new ground this, this morning. You know as a child of God, and each of us have been saved multiple years, we know and understand that we're directed to pray. And so we won't spend a great deal of time on this particular lesson, 
uh, because there's other ground that we have to plow this morning. But I want you to note that we're directed to pray. The Lord says that men ought always to pray. We ought to pray. It's necessary for us to pray. It is necessary for us to have interaction with God. In fact, what is prayer? Prayer is interacting with God. It is communication with God. And we say this this morning, that a child of God is going to pray. If there is never any prayer in your life, it is time for you to check up and see whether or not you really are a child of God. A child of God is going to pray. Now, the child of God's prayer life might not, in, in fact, if we're honest, it's probably not what it should be. I asked you as an introductory question, how is your prayer life? So it's, it, it might not be what it should be, but it's going to be there. And I, I, think about, I think about times in our lives where we feel the closest to God, and this will kind of tie in in our afternoon lesson or our study of the Holy Spirit, where we have the most assurance from God. It, it is those times when our prayer life is right with God. And so we see this first lesson. We are directed to pray. The Lord says that men ought always to pray. And so we're, we're directed to pray. We're directed to always pray. It is not only necessary for us to pray, but it is necessary that we always pray. Now how is it that we sometimes usually pray? It is when we are in trouble or when we want something. Now I want to ask you this question this morning. What are your feelings about somebody that you only hear from when they want or need something? How would you describe your relationship with that person? You don't hear from them for two years and then all of a sudden they need something. We've had people that attend church that way. We don't, they don't attend the services. They don't darken the doorstep of the Lord's house. And then they come and you're so glad to see them. And then, oh, you find out they need something. There's something going on. How do you feel about somebody that only interacts with you when they want something or need something? Are they high on your priority list of, you know, man, i got to make sure I, you know, I'm, I'm giving attention to this person because they're truly my friend. Is that the way that you view them? And I want you to think about how our relationship with God works. Does He only hear from us when we want something or need something? When we're in trouble? George Mueller famously said, Prayer is not merely an occasional impulse to which we respond when we're in trouble. Prayer is a life attitude. And so the Lord here says that men ought always to pray. Now this doesn't mean that literally every waking moment is spent in prayer unto the Lord because again, we have other responsibilities, do we not? I mean, would it, would it be okay with you, uh, or would it be okay with the Lord if you said, you know, I'm supposed to always pray, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to just spend all my time praying, and I'm going to rely on everyone else to support me. Would that be appropriate? Of course not. And so you understand that we have to know what it means to always pray. He said ought, men ought to always, ought always to pray. So it doesn't mean that we're literally spending every waking moment in prayer. But it does mean that we're always ready to pray. It does mean that we always are on praying ground. 
it does mean that we are always ready to not only praise the Lord, as we heard in a message last week at Julian Baptist Church in Gracie, Kentucky, uh, out of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, where we're offering the sacrifice of the praise of our lips. We, we ought to be praying praise, but we also ought to be always ready to communicate with the Lord. What did Paul write to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17? You know it well. Pray without ceasing. What did Paul say about having our spiritual armor on? In Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 18, Paul wrote, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so the very first elementary foundational lesson that the Lord is teaching in this parable in Luke chapter number 18 is that we are directed to pray, that we ought to be praying. A child of God ought to pray, and a child of God ought to always pray. Listen to what Brother Spurgeon wrote. Man, can you just imagine being able to write or speak like Charles Spurgeon? And that's given God the honor and glory, but man, God used him mightily. Listen to this. Prayer is the lisping of the believing infant, the shout of the fighting believer, the requiem of the dying saint falling asleep in Jesus. It is the breath, the watchword, the comfort, the strength, the honor of a Christian. If thou be a child of God, thou wilt seek thy Father's face and live in thy Father's love. Pray that this year thou mayst be holy, humble, zealous, and patient. Have closer communion with Christ and enter oftener into the banqueting house of His love. Pray that thou mayest be an example and a blessing unto others, and that thou mayest live more to the glory of thy Master. The motto for this year must be, continue in prayer. Man, listen. If we don't get anything else out of the message today, we've all been saved multiple years. Do you remember that you're directed to pray? That men ought always to pray. That we are directed not only to pray, but that we are to always be on praying ground. So the first lesson, we are directed to pray. But notice the second lesson, it is also found in verse number 1. Look at verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The second lesson is this. There is a danger of and in not praying. Not only are we directed to pray, but there is a danger of and in not praying. He says, and not to faint. Thayer describes the word faint to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, exhausted. Have you ever been exhausted such that you don't even or can't even or don't want to even take time to pray. Vincent's word studies goes a little bit further and Vincent describes fainting this way, to turn coward or lose heart. I would submit to you that when you are too exhausted to pray and it leads to cowardice and losing your heart and your encouragement, there is danger. Robertson described it this way. A.W. Robertson literally not to give in to evil. And so men are directed to pray. We ought always to pray, 
But we also ought to be careful to understand that we are not to faint. Now, what does this teach us? It teaches us literally, first of all, that there are derailers to prayer. There are derailers to prayer. There are things that will keep you from praying. Now, there are many derailers to prayer. And I'm just going to quickly list some of these for you. And you can probably, of course, come up with your own. First of all, activity. Now, activity is not bad. In fact, we ought to be active people. We ought to be engaged in work. In fact, we ought to be engaged in activity both in secular and spiritual spheres. We ought to be productive members of society and hold down jobs and contribute something to society. We ought to be active in the Lord's church and we ought to be involved in using our God-given talents for the honor and glory of the Lord in the church. But you know what we have the potential to do? To allow our activity, whether it's secular or spiritual, to derail us from always praying. And that can lead us to fainting to losing our heart, to being wearied out, to be utterly spiritless, to turn cowardly in our prayer lives. Brother Ian Bounds wrote in his epic work, The Weapon of Prayer. Listen, he wrote this. It is better to let the work go by default than to let the praying go by neglect. And so it is. We ought not to neglect prayer due to activity. What are other derailers to praying? How about adversity? We get, we get in the midst of adversity and we forget that we're to pray to the Lord because perhaps in, in this instance like this parable that we see here, perhaps we prayed and we didn't get the answer that we wanted and so we got mad and upset and we quit praying. Folks, don't allow adversity to be a derailer in prayer. How about affliction and attack? All we're trying to do is do the work of the Lord and those that are supposed to be closest to us wind up attacking us and we'll allow that to be a derailer in our prayers. Read in multiple occasions where the Lord said that, well, you know what? Family members are going to turn on each other. Church members are going to turn on each other. You stick by the stuff. And I think that that means to be constant and continuing in our prayer. How about aberrations? And when I use the word aberrations, I'm talking about distractions. How many times have we allowed a distraction either by the enemy or by ourselves, to be a derailer to prayer when you get on your knees in your prayer closet and what begins to happen? Somebody knocks on the door, your phone goes off, somebody hollers for you, you know, you hear something rumble outside, you name the distraction and those are distractions that come from without but what about the distractions that come from within where you, you, you get on your knees to pray and then what happens automatically through your mind darts wicked thoughts and brother Spurgeon in his work on how that Satan attacks the child of God and works in the sphere of the mind he talked about and chronicled how that the most wicked thoughts can come through the child of God when the child of God endeavors to pray and we can allow that to derail us in praying and then lastly, as again we see here in this parable, the absence of God's answer. We pray and we pray and we don't receive. And we say, well, you know what? What's the sense in praying? And there are a number of things that could be wrong with that. Perhaps we're getting the answer, but it's not the answer that we want. Or perhaps we're really not getting the answer. We're to be persistent in prayer. So there are derailers in praying, which means... That as we talk about there's a danger 
uh, to an end not praying. That we need to be aware of these derailers to praying, but we also need to have a determination to pray. In other words, it's an active involvement that yes, I'm going to have my prayer time with the Lord. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 2 reads, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 12, Paul wrote, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now the word continue in Colossians 4 verse 2 and the words continuing instant in Romans 12 verse 12, they're the same Greek word and it literally means this. To be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent, to attend assiduously and perform all of the exercises. And so we're to be determined to pray. We ought to purpose. Now think about this. We're, we're talking about very fundamental basic truths today. We ought to purpose that at a given time and at a given place we're going to pray. If it's determined and it's not just left up to, well I will pray when I have time. If it's a determined place and a determined time then I believe that we're much more likely to come to the Lord consistently and be continuing in our prayer. And so we ought to we ought to be determined to pray as we understand the derailers to praying. And then we ought to understand as well the danger if we don't pray. The danger if we don't pray. Now, in James, James gave us sage wise counsel. In James chapter 4 and verse number 2, James wrote, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not. And why did they not have not? Because ye ask not. Because ye ask not. Do you understand that there's danger to a lack of prayer? There's danger for the child of God. The Lord says in this parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We ought not to be spiritless and wearied out and exhausted and turn coward and lose heart and, and to give in to evil as it relates to our prayer life. We're to be persistent in our prayer. Leonard Ravenhill wrote in reference to the subject of revival in prayer. And we want revival, don't we? I mean, do you want revival in our church? Do you want revival in our own lives? Do you want revival in our families? Do you want revival in our nation? Ravenhill wrote this, Surely revival delays because prayer decays. And isn't it true? We want revival, but we don't ask for it. Just as James said, you, 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 uh, you want these things, yet you have not, because you ask not. And so we're to, we're to understand the danger if we don't pray. We're talking this morning about four lessons we see in this parable that the Lord teaches in reference to prayer and, and the, the power of persistent prayer. The first lesson, we are directed to pray. The second lesson, there's a danger of an end not praying. But notice the third lesson. We're going to skip verse 2 and we're going to come back to verse 2 when we look at the fourth lesson. But I want you now to notice the third lesson. Our dependence on God necessitates prayer. Our dependence on God. Look at verse number 3. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him. This is the judge that feared not God neither regarded man she came this widow came unto him saying avenge me of mine adversary now 
at first glance, there might not be much to this. But I would submit to you that the fact that the Lord uses a widow in the parable means a lot. And I will say this. We must see ourselves as though we are the widow. If our prayer is to be effective and we are to see the power of persistent prayer, we must see ourselves as though we are the widow. Now why is that? Well, first of all, in Scripture, the widow is given special accommodations, uh, both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. We're given instructions as to how widows indeed are to be treated, even as it relates to the Lord's church. And why is that? Because the widows are vulnerable. Listen to what Lockyer wrote. Herbert Lockyer in his work, All the Parables of the Bible, he writes, Widows have a prominent place in the Bible. In our Lord's time, widows were somewhat despised and a prey, P-R-E-Y, for an unprincipled man. Poor, they had no one to protect and deliver them. Their only hope was resort to the dispensers of justice for intervention on their behalf. This widow could do nothing to settle the, uh, the situation that she was having with her adversary in verse number 3. There's nothing at all that she could do. This widow was dependent on this unrighteous, unjust judge. And she understood that. And so as she understood that, what did she do? Well, that leads us to the second thought as it relates to our dependence on God necessitating prayer. We have to see ourselves as though we are the widow. And like this widow, we are dependent on God as our righteous judge. We have to understand that there are things in our lives that we can't do anything about. We have to understand that we fall under the authority and thus we are to submit to our sovereign righteous judge who, by the way, is not like this unjust judge. Now, how does this widow approach this unjust judge? We must, and secondly, we must persistently plead our cause to our righteous judge. This widow persistently pled her cause to this unjust and unrighteous judge. Now, we don't know the circumstances that uh, surround her being wronged by her adversary. We're not told that, but she needed help. And where was it that she could go to get help? To this unjust judge. Hey, where, in the words of Peter, where else are we supposed to go? Where can we go? We sing that old song, love that old song, where can we go but to the Lord? We are dependent entirely upon Him. You know why some folks don't have a right prayer life with the Lord? You know why they're not persistent in prayer? Because they don't see their need. They don't understand that they are like this widow. That they are poor and have none to plead their cause except the Lord God Almighty Himself. And so they think that they're okay and that they're, that they're, they're going to be self-sufficient. And the Bible says that we are not in any way sufficient in and of our own selves to merit anything with God. And so we must persistently plead our cause to our righteous does. Now look at verse number 5. I love, this, this is an interesting verse here. This is the unjust judge speaking. He says, Yet because this widow troubleth me. Now we're going to talk about the unjust judge in a moment, but what a shame. 
He's there for the purpose of dispensing justice, and she's troubling him. Notice he says, Yet because this widow troubleth me, the word troubleth me meant literally that she was continually there. You know what she would be in today's vernacular? A pain in the neck. She literally won't go away. Can you imagine this unjust judge who said, Would somebody do something with her? I am tired of seeing her. She is troubling me. But oh, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. Look at verse number 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Now watch. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. <laughs> You know what the word weary literally means? Now get this, feast on this. The, the root word has to deal with the part of the face under the eyes. And it literally means to strike under the eye or to beat somebody black and blue and give them a black eye. This judge is saying, man, this woman is beating me up. She, she is she is pummeling me about the faith. The only other time that this word is used in the New Testament is when Paul uses the description of a boxer in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and he says in verse number 27 that he keeps under his body. And so the idea here is that this woman in coming in her persistent pursuit of justice with this unjust judge, it was as though she were pummeling him about the face, beating him black and blue. And this judge says, you know what? I'm tapping out. I've had enough. Just give her whatever she wants. Give her whatever she wants as long as she'll leave me alone and she'll just go away. You know, some folks take that approach to parenting, don't they? That's why we have, that's why we have such a problem in our society today with kids that they become adults, you know, and, and they do things like, Jim, you were describing at the Sam's Pump yesterday. You know, they think the world's all about them and they'll just, you know, whine and complain until they get what they want. And their parents who usually say, man, just give them whatever they want and get them out of my face. Well, you know what? Life isn't like that. Now, this was an unrighteous judge who had this approach. And, and the point here is that this widow pled her cause and persistently came and persevered in presenting her cause to this unjust and unrighteous judge. And the lesson that we get from that is that because we are dependent on God, we ought to come to God, our righteous judge, like she came to the unrighteous judge. By the way, she got what she was looking for, didn't she? In verse number 5, the Bible says, And because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now that leads us to our fourth lesson. The fourth lesson this morning, and we're going to jump around a little bit here in, verse, in chapter number 18 because it's of necessity, but I want you to notice this fourth lesson that teaches us about the power of persistent prayer. We see the Father's difference, the Father's difference that should drive our prayer. The Father's difference that should drive our prayer. Now, I want you to note, again, I said it was a little strange, that the Lord chooses this unjust judge to teach us about persistence in prayer. But there is clearly a contrast between the unrighteous and unjust judge 
and, I, and our Father, the Lord God Almighty. Now we've already mentioned this. She is coming, depending upon this unjust judge, to get what she wants, and guess what? She got what she wanted. Now, here's a lesson for us before we get into the particulars of this particular point in this particular lesson that if God is righteous and this unjust and unrighteous judge gave her what she wanted through persistence and perseverance in prayer how much more so can we expect the answer and the blessings of God turn with me back in Luke to Luke chapter number 11 there's something called being importunate in prayer, being persistent. And we learn about this in Luke chapter number 11. Now we're not, not going to read uh, verses 5 through 8 in Luke chapter number uh, 11, but I would say to you that you should go back and read those as you perhaps you study and review your notes from this lesson. But I want you to notice Luke chapter number 11, verse number 9 down through verse number nine, uh, 13. Luke chapter number 11, verses 9 through 13. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Look at verse 13. If ye then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? The Lord, we're studying the Holy Spirit on Sunday afternoons, getting to know the Holy Spirit. The Lord will answer those spiritual prayers in the affirmative. And I'm not talking about God being the candy man and just giving you whatever you want. And oh, I want a new vehicle, and I want a new house, and I want a new wardrobe. No, not that but praying in accordance with the will of God that God would make you a servant that is profitable unto the Lord and all that is involved in that. That's a prayer that will be answered in the affirmative. And so the Lord is, 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 is teaching a lesson in Luke chapter number 18 that this unrighteous judge gave this woman what she wanted because she was persistent and persevered in prayer. Now let's talk about that unjust and unrighteous judge. Back in Luke chapter number 18, look at his character in verse number 2. His character. In verse number 2 it says, Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. He was literally unfit to be a judge. He was typical of judges of that day that cared not for what God had to say in His Word. And they were not about dispensing justice. They were only concerned about themselves. And they were typical in the day in which the Lord walked on this earth. And you know what? They're still typical today. They're still typical today. What did, what did the psalmist write, or uh, uh, the Word of God write about uh, how that judges are to be qualified for their position? In 2 Samuel 23 and verse number 3, the Bible reads, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And so this man's character is completely contrasted with the character of the Lord, our, our Heavenly Father. We see his character. He's unfit to be a judge. Notice his concern. His concern in verses 4 and 5. 
And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. What is his concern? Well, he's got one concern in this life, himself. I'm going to tell you what, a narcissistic person should not be on the bench. A person who is only concerned about themselves, he is there, this man is there to dispense justice and to hear the cause of those that would plead their case before him and he regardeth not man he fears not God nor regardeth man he doesn't care about those that would come to him seeking justice he only cared about himself not this poor widow who had no one else to go to I say again there's a great contrast between our heavenly father and this unjust judge and yet notice we're talking about the unrighteous judge, his character, his concern, but notice our comfort and confidence. Our comfort and confidence. Because look at verse number 6. In verse number 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Why does the Lord say that? The Lord says that because by this widow's persistence and perseverance, she prevailed with this wicked judge. Now, as we just read in Luke chapter number 11, if she prevailed with this wicked judge, how much more so shall we with our righteous Heavenly Father? So we see the Father's difference that should drive us to prayer. We see, first of all, the unjust and unrighteous judge, but secondly, and we'll conclude with these thoughts, our Heavenly Father, the righteous judge. He's revealed in verses 7 and 8. God is the opposite of all that this wicked judge was. Our Heavenly Father is righteous. As Abram said when the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance appears to him, the Lord lets him know what he's going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did Abram say to the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ? In Genesis chapter 18, verse number 25, he said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And you know what? You and I have assurance this morning that we must be persistent and persevere in our prayer, but we're not, we're not going before an unrighteous and an unjust judge. We're going before the righteous and the just judge. The judge of all the earth who will do right. He's righteous. That ought to, that ought to spur us on to persistence and perseverance in our prayer. He's righteous, and you know what? He's ready to hear. Proverbs 15, verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. Look at verse number 7. And shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him? God hears those prayers of the righteous saint of God. His ear is open to them. Now I want to say this. We say he's ready to hear, and he is. But look at the last part of verse 7. Though he bear long with them. Do not mistake a delay in an answer for no answer or no care from your righteous judge. There's an old saying in the legal field, goes back really to the founding of our nation, that justice delayed is no justice. And that has some truth as it relates to court cases. I mean, it doesn't do you any good if you've been wronged by somebody and you have a civil case and it takes 15 years to resolve it and everybody's dead. So there is an element of truth that justice delayed is no justice at all. But you know what? 
an answer delayed is still just with the Lord. There might be reasons why the Lord is delaying His answer that we're not privy to. And we are told that we are to be persistent and persevere in prayer. You know why? Because thirdly, we're talking about our Heavenly Father, the righteous judge. He will requite for all of the wrongs. He will requite for all of the wrongs. Look at verses 7 and 8. And shall not God avenge His own elect? which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Verse number 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now notice, that God, and again, the context of this prayer and this lesson on prayer has to do with God's people being mistreated and persecuted and, and, and treated uh, improperly by the world. Persecuted as it relates to the end times. But there's an, a lesson for all of us as it pertains to our life today and our prayer life today, that we're to be persistent and persevere in prayer. We, God is going to avenge His own, and He's going to do it speedily. Now, His speedily might not be your speedily. We all know folks that have wronged us here on this earth. And we say, man, it's been years. Why hasn't God done anything? God's got it. God is not, He's not constrained by or restrained by time. God does what He wants in His own time. The psalm tells us, and the psalmist tells us in Psalm 37, "Fret not thyself because of the wicked." God has got it. He's going to take care. Of it. He's going to avenge it. And this is good, a good lesson for us. We are to be reminded, even as we pray, that we're not to take matters into our own hands. Romans 12 verse 19 reads, "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. The Lord's got it. So, what are we supposed to do? persist and persevere in prayer what an incredible parable the Lord teaches here on the subject of prayer we are to be persistent and persevere in prayer there is power in persistent prayer we see these four lessons we're directed to pray there's a danger of and in not praying. Our dependence on God necessitates prayer. And the Father's difference, and we say the difference between the unrighteous and the unjust judge, should drive our prayer. Well, I don't know what your prayer life is like. I asked you at the beginning, what is your prayer life like? I hope that if it's not what it should be, that this message will encourage us and challenge us and convict us that we ought to be persistent that we ought to persevere in prayer. There's power in persistent prayer. Let's pray.